Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Sean Kane, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We're here today with John Romanowski and Daphne Daly from the Archdiocese of Baltimore speaking about the ongoing parish planning process, uh, Be Missionary Disciples. Um, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, so uh, let's start, um, give people uh, who may not recall or be familiar with the process a little bit of a um, kind of a reminder of, of what, uh, where the process is, kind of how it got started, what the goals of the process are, and then we'll kind of catch them up to speed from there. Sure. Well, last summer, Archbishop Laurie issued his first pastoral letter entitled A Light Brightly Visible. And in that letter, he sort of laid out his vision for um, pastoral planning in the archdiocese, but planning that is not what you typically would think of in terms of um, strategic planning, but really evangelization-based planning. So thinking about how um, we could be structured within our parishes to be evangelizing communities that have um, the mission of making disciples at the heart of everything we're doing. So he laid out that vision in the pastoral letter. And since then, um, we've been going through a process of working towards uh, realizing that vision. Uh, some of you may have um, participated in a survey, a parish survey that was conducted um, in the winter of uh, last year and going into the beginning of this year. And um, we received about 28,000 survey responses, which was a really great uh, response rate. And um, we collated all of the responses and provided those back to the parishes so that they could get a sense of where people are in their own um, faith life, um, how mission ready they are. In other words, how prepared people are to um, share the gospel with other people, um, to go deeper in their own faith life, and um, to live out um, the teachings of Christ in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, we've asked the parishes to take those survey results and reflect on them and um, prepare a, a parish mission readiness statement, which basically just summarizes uh, their takeaways from those survey responses and what they learned about themselves through that process. In the meantime, uh, we've been looking at um, how we can look how we can address pastoral planning from a um, structural standpoint, recognizing that if we want to do evangelization-based planning, that first we have to establish the context for it. Um, in August, Archbishop Laurie issued an update to his pastoral letter. And in that update, he described the primary um, structural vehicle that we're using to uh, embark on the evangelization-based planning. 
Um, and that is a term called a pastorate. Um, and the pastorates uh, would be one or more parishes that are um, grouped together under a single pastoral leadership team. That would include one pastor and uh, one set of leadership um, folks who are advising him. And uh, this would set the context for um, pastoral planning so that we know who's planning together um, and that we can um, use that as the jumping off point for discerning where the mission is calling each of these pastorates um, and how they can move towards uh, a more evangelizing um, model of being a faith community. Um, John, um, let's go back to um, something Daphne said about evangelization-based parish planning and maybe give a little bit of a breakdown from your vantage point what that means and what people should, how people should interpret that. In other words, this isn't planning for the sake of um, addressing numbers or facilities or anything like that. It's, it's really a very intentional process that was born out of the church's desire that others would bring people closer to Christ in a more effective way. Yeah, I'm very happy to. I, I think what um, to build on what, what Daphne said, what, what's so exciting about Archbishop Laurie's approach to this planning process for me is that, you know, we've all we've all seen in the news that some dioceses, you know, around the country, they're they're closing parishes, <clears throat> um, sometimes dozens of parishes, you know, and it, it's always very sad to see that. Um, but of course, we understand why. You know, there's a vocations shortage in, in many dioceses, and there's financial strains and whatnot. But what Archbishop Laurie has decided to do, and really um, being inspired by Pope Francis and the joy of the gospel, and, and frankly by the teaching of the church since the Vatican Council, is to realize that this is not a question of us needing to just try to survive and, and, and consolidate and downsize and, and save money and things like that. This is about us being faithful to the mission that Jesus has given to his church from the very beginning to go and make disciples. And so planning is about positioning ourselves to do that more effectively. One of the things Daphne mentioned was the, the survey was conducted as part of kind of the laying the groundwork for this process. What are some of the things that came out of, of the surveys and how is that feedback guiding the process so far? So there are a couple of um, interesting things that um, came out from the surveys. Um, one is that we have a lot of people who are um, interested in um, sharing the gospel with others. Um, I don't remember the exact uh, percentage, but it was somewhere in the, in the upper 70s or lower 80s percent of people who said that they would um, either uh, jump at the chance to share their faith with others or... Um, or would do that if they were given the opportunity. Um, but we also found that um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of sense of uh, discomfort with being able to do that in the um, public realm. So um, one of the things that uh, the survey results pointed out to us is that there's a lot of need for um, helping people become more comfortable talking about their faith, sharing their faith with others, and ultimately that's, that's what's going to be your lead-in to a conversation about, um, about Christ and uh, how he's working in our lives and how 
that should be something that others should give some um, be open to as well. Um, really, the the crux of evangelization, right? Is this um, process going to, and should it help people see church differently? In other words, the way we see it today. <clears throat> Very much so. You know, the, the Pope Francis is famous for, from the very beginning, even before his election, for talking about how we need to kind of move out from the own, the center of our own lives and the center, you know, of the church. And like, go, this go, is my mass, and this is my priest, and this just, is my... Yeah, looking at it from our own perspective and say, go out to the margins, go out to the peripheries, go out to the, the, the points around you that are furthest from where you sit and where you look at things. And get to know who's out there. Get to know them. Experience what it's like and what things look like from that point of view. And then reflect on your mission to go and make disciples. Who are, you, who are we called to serve? Who are we called to bring the gospel to? And if we sit in, the, in our own comfortable center, our own comfort zone all the time, we don't even know who's there. We don't even know. We don't know them. We, don't, we can't meet them where they're at because we don't know where they're at. You know? So to look at the church from, from outside, I think, is, is, is really the fundamental change in how we're approaching this process. You know, Pope Francis, before he was um, elected, spoke to the cardinals during the conclave, and, and he gave them this image, and he said, I have this image of Jesus knocking at the door of the church, and everyone's nodding. He says, he's knocking to get out. He's on the inside knocking to get out of the church and get out into the community, get out into the streets. You know, he, he wants us to be a church out in the streets. He said this so many times. And really, that's, that's, that's the thrust of this, is to be, uh, as the Archbishop says in his pastoral letter, to be a church that really is, is outward-looking, is focused on those out there that we're called to serve and, and, and evangelize, and not just uh, focus on um, our own needs, even our own spiritual needs, which mm-hmm. are legitimate, but, but not to only focus on that, right. but to think about those out there. Is that what, you know, he used the, um, a phrase a number of times in his pastoral letter about stretching. He, mm-hmm. you know, he, he looked at himself first to say, you know, it's a challenge that he presents before himself, but it, it's one that we also have to ask ourselves, are we willing to stretch to get out of our comfort zone, to go beyond? Is that what he's talking about there? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, uh, just to um, play off of John's earlier point a little bit, um, sometimes the folks that we need to um, reach out to um, are sitting right next to us as well. We know that there are so many people who are in our parishes. They may be coming to church every week, but not um, not quite at the point where uh, they feel like Christ is at the center of everything that they do. Um, Another, that was another interesting result from the survey, which I think we, we have a, a pretty good sense of, of who filled out the survey in general. They tended to be our longer-term um, parishioners, the ones who, um, who are already actively engaged in the church. And even those folks, um, a fair number of them, um, uh, responded that that. They have room to grow in terms of their relationship with Christ. And so when Archbishop Laurie talks about stretching ourselves, um, sometimes that means stretching to, to not assume that everyone who's uh, part of the parish right now is a, is a true missionary disciple and that there is a lot of work that we can do um, in terms of... Um, compelling people to go deeper in their in their faith even if they're already sitting right next to us in the pews
and we'll be back in just a moment with more about the parish planning process going on in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Julie Sidlowski, a 7th grader at Monsignor Slade Catholic School in Glen Burnie, describes her relationship with her friend and classmate, Emily Kalenda. We take her from class to class, Sidlowski said. Sometimes we pick her up and sometimes we direct her. Okay, Emily, turn right. Come forward. All the while, Emily, who is also a seventh grader, is actually studying from her bedroom at home. An iPad and speaker mounted on a wheeled base puts her virtually in the classrooms and hallways of Monsignor Slade. In January of 2012, Emily was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease that causes lesions on the brain as well as headaches, cognitive difficulties, and balance issues. The robot allows Emily to keep up academically and socially with her classmates. Read more in our magazine or at catholicreview.org. Also on catholicreview.org. Following the storm that devastated Baton Rouge, Louisiana, relatives have stepped up and offered to share their homes with extended family members who were left homeless. It's a commendable act of mercy, but all parties involved should be prepared for some of the psychological difficulties of sharing space and resources. Daryl Ducote, a former family therapist and now director of the Office of Marriage and Family Life for the Diocese of Baton Rouge, offers some tips and insights on establishing a new system or equilibrium for accommodating a household of two families instead of one. See that on catholicreview.org. Also, check out our names and numbers feature for October, only on catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. We're back on Catholic Baltimore with John Romanowski and Daphne Daly of the Archdiocese of Baltimore talking about parish planning. There's a phrase that you hear a lot in, in circles that talk about this kind of work and, and it, it um, suggests that we should not be about maintenance, that this is not an exercise in, in um, self-preservation um, or survival. And yet we can't ignore the fact that 80% roughly of our people don't come to Mass every week. And so um, this is about reaching people not for the sake of sustaining the church, but for the sake of bringing the gospel to more people. And mm -hmm. I think the Archbishop um, uh, 
aptly describes this as not um, looking at where, if the church will be present in the communities we serve, but how. So what is this process going to tell us about how the church might be present if it's not um, necessarily as, um, uh, you know, a brick and mortar place you go to with your regular mass schedule, but maybe it's in other ways? So there are probably a lot of different ways that, uh, that the church can be present in an area. Obviously, a worship site is the most... Um, it's the one that comes to mind uh, yeah, the most. Exactly. Um, but we also have uh, a lot of um, outposts of the church, if you will, in our um, uh, things like uh, Head Start programs that are run by Catholic charities or... Um, uh, some of our healthcare institutions that are uh, Catholic healthcare facilities, Catholic our schools, schools exactly, yeah. um, are are also very visible um, uh, declarations that the Catholic Church is present in this area. Um, I think what Archbishop Laurie is asking uh, everybody to uh, give some thought to is what is the um, what is the mission calling us to do in particular areas and how do we live that out? So um, we may have some, uh, some parts of the diocese that um, are not the um, strongholds of the Catholic faith that they used to be in generations past. Um, we know there have been a lot of demographic um, shifts and um, and our buildings can't move with our people. And yet the church uh, has still found a way to be present yeah. in those communities. Mm -hmm. If not uh, through full worship sites, it's a combination of services and ministries that right. are there that say that you're important to the church and that we can still offer you the love of Christ in ways beyond just, you know, you may not be Catholic, so you're not coming to our masses. But right. We still love you, and we still want to serve you. Mm -hmm. And I think what's behind this too is really we're in the midst of um, a big paradigm shift, you know, and we're kind of rediscovering the truth that we are a mission that happens to have an institution that happens to have sort of buildings and a structure, and you know, but, but primarily, yeah. primarily we we are sort of a movement or a mission. I mean, we were called the Way in the early days, you know, and so um, we're we're and that mission is. To preach the gospel through our, our, our witness of our lives and, and through our, our, our um, you know, sharing our faith and serving the poor and whatnot. And, and you don't need a building to do that. You know, so, so being present in all these different ways is, I think, kind of recapturing that sense of, of ourselves, um, which is much more kind of open and flexible and, you know, and able to respond to, um, to the needs of the people we're called to serve and bring the gospel to. So in, in the time that we have remaining, I want to cover a couple things a little bit more, which is um, let's look at the pastorate model. That will be the new thing that I think people will rightly focus on. I'd like to talk a little bit about how we envision that working and where a similar, um, where else in the diocese where parish planning has taken place and this kind of structure is already in place, how that's working. And then... Um, I'd like to talk about next steps, how people um, can be involved involved moving forward when they might hear more about what's going to take place. 
Sure. So the um, the connection between the the pastorate model, what we're talking about here, and and evangelization based planning, is is again that the the pastorate sets the context for that planning to occur. It says these parishes, or or even this parish, if it's a single parish pastorate. Um, are the ones that will be going through this planning process together for lots of different reasons. Um, uh, and, and those reasons uh, have grounding in the evangelization potential within that area. Where are there similarities um, in terms of uh, what that, uh, those evangelization targets may be? Where are there some opportunities to um, to find some efficiencies that would mean um, some more resources can be channeled towards um, mission-focused work. Um, so we're right now in the process of trying to um, figure out what the best configuration of those pastorates will be to allow that planning process to unfold um, in the coming months and years. So where so this model exists already in some form or fashion in the diocese is there a, an example we can point to so the um the archbishop has been very um forthcoming in saying that that he doesn't want the um planning process to be a top down approach so uh one of the ways in which um we're working within that context is to um, arrive at the, the pastorate uh, design through a series of consultations. So we, we had a, um, a group of um, folks who were composed of both pastors and um, archdiocesan staff who took a first stab at the, at the um, pastorate configuration, the model. And um, that got brought to the Presbyteral Council at the beginning of September for, for their initial read on things. Um, we're going through a very iterative process here. So when uh, each consultation occurs, recommendations are made, and then it goes through um, some review. And, and ultimately, the archbishop says, yeah, let's move forward with this model. And then it gets brought out to the next group for consultation. And so um, among those who will be able to consult are um, at the parish level, these will take place in November. Yeah. And then um, people will receive information about that and other ways to weigh in by email, by the Catholic Review, a number of other outlets. Yeah, what we're looking to, we're looking to the parishes to, um, to hold some, uh, conversations at the parish level uh, to get feedback from their own parishioners about um, the pastorate model. Um, in November, early November, we'll have a series of consultations with parish leadership. So ideally, um, they'll be representing the feedback the that they the hear parishioner. from the parishioners. Yeah. Um, and that'll be the, the key point at which we can get some really local feedback on um, what's going to be the best design for moving forward this evangelization-based 
planning. And all of this information and, and everything along the way will be updated on a website that, John, your office is operating if you want to give that site out, that URL. Sure. Yeah, bemissionarydisciples.org is the website that we have that's dedicated to the planning process, and all the updates will be on, on that site. Uh, it's very accessible. Uh, you just you know, click on planning at the top, and, and you'll see uh, all those updates there. Excellent. So people can expect to hear more at the... Uh, through their uh, pastors at the parishes and the bulletins and in many other ways. Um, and uh, we appreciate you both for being here today to update us on the parish planning process. My pleasure. Happy to be here. The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, the Basilica Gift Shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish and everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. Life can be hard and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.